Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, you know, as I was preparing for this service, I was thinking about a devotion. Who did the prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year of the names and the attributes of God? So one of the attributes was God's infinity. And as I was preparing for this message, I was just um, reminded of that. And one of the random, you know how you just sit with the Lord and thoughts come to mind and it blows your mind? That happened. So if everything is, that we see is created of matter, God is not even, he's the creator of matter, so he's not even consisting of matter. I didn't even think of, I don't know, for me, I'm sorry if it doesn't do the same thing for you. I, don't, I have no idea what God consists of, but it just blew my mind to think of how enormous God is. And now that we were in worship in this service and just seeing the focus on God's holiness and him as Lord, I was just yeah, reminded of that again. So I really wanted to just share that part with you because that was wonderful. And also just Jesus as Lord, right? Satan believes in God. What makes me different from Satan if I just believe that he's there? The difference between us and him is the fact that he's our Lord. We follow him. We submit our lives to him. And that is where the transformation lies. So um, we are so excited to be here with the Outreach Evangelism Internship. Who's aware of the internship? So for those of you who don't know, the Evangelism Internship is a 10 days mission that we have where we equip people. You know those extra people who really just want to go and reach people? Those people. We take those people and ship at them and be like, okay, guys, we will equip you and channel you in the right direction. <coughs> Otherwise, they'll set the world on fire, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but we need to put them in the right direction. So it's just been wonderful. And you have been amazing hosts. And something else that I also just want to share is um, on the way here, I was just praying in the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we read about the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So if you have questions about those, ask Greg. He will, he will help you understand those. But God gives us different tongues. It's not just one. And even on the way here, I was just praying in my tongues, my spirit language. And for the first time in a couple of years, actually, my, I received a new tongue. And it was just so prophetic for me about the new things that God is going to do in your city. Not just through the internship, I believe it unlocks like a key but through you guys to impact your city and your community where it is that the Lord has placed you. So I'm really excited to be here tonight. Thank you for having us. There's a wonderful, oh, so let me just introduce you to my family. This is Jergens and my two kids. Yes, we are in the kitchen because most of my life happens in the kitchen. So um, that's Jergens, Stefan and Kian. Stefan is the one in the middle. He was born on the first day of lockdown. Interesting experience. Um, but it was actually an amazing ministry opportunity because the nurses were so afraid about, you know, like if 100 people come in and we don't have enough masks, like how do you choose? And um, the one nurse came in and um, she asks us, can, we ask, can I ask you a personal question? And we say, sure. And you never know what you're getting yourself into when you say yes. And she asked, do you guys ever fight? And I looked perplexed, I assume, because she didn't clarify. So if, if you're in an evangelism moment and someone asks you a tough question, just ask them, why do you ask that question? And hopefully you'll get some clarity to help you answer those questions. Free tip. And um, so she says, because she has helped deliver many babies, and normally the couple begins to fight at some point. And she hasn't seen that with us. Like, Thank God for helping us with your mercy. <laughs> And um, I just shared with her, you know, we have disagreements, and I asked her, but how is, like, why are you asking that question, like, how is your relationship? And it's like I opened up a can of worms, and she just started sharing about her marriage and things that she's been going through. And long story short, we shared Jesus' love and goodness to her, and she ended up on her knees in the room, just recommitting her life to Jesus, and I did not tell her to get on her knees. 
That was just a response. And so, but she did this. She started running to the other nurses and telling them what happened. And so, while I'm high on morphine, the other nurses are coming into the room asking for sermons or for prayer or for whatever. So it's just amazing. And what I love about that is I was just, I didn't go in to evangelize. I went in to have a baby. Like, we do life. All of us do life with purpose. Like in Matthew 10, that's one of my favorite verses. In verse 8, Jesus says, as you go, proclaim the gospel. That the kingdom is at hand. And then you heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. So I love that. I love that because as you go, all of us are already going. You're like, you're 50% there. Now we just need to go with an awareness of who and what we carry. Because there's an outcry in people's hearts and through their conversation, we can figure out like, hey, there's, there's a hunger here and they don't even know what it is for. But we know. And that's an opportunity for us to bring Jesus in. So let's just pray. Thank you, Jesus, for Every Nation Rosebank. Thank you for Johannesburg. Thank you for the calling that you have on this church. Thank you that, for the calling that you have on each member of the body in this church. And I pray that tonight you would just ignite something new in our hearts to spread what we already have to a world that is hungry for, for that what we already carry. Just speak to each one of us exactly what it is that you want to say to each of us and our callings in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, awesome quote from Watchman Nee says, Our prayers lay the track down on which God's power can come. Like a mighty locomotive, his power is irresistible, but it cannot reach us without its rails. Because what happens in prayer is we connect with God, like our hearts connect with him. And um, he starts moving in through our lives, which I absolutely love. So, in Matthew 5, we read, You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Familiar verse, right? So please don't close up like a clam, because we tend to do that. Oh, I know, I've been there, done that. I've read that, okay? So the next one is, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. So you are salt. You're not becoming salt. It's not something that you wish to be. You are salt. It's in your identity. You are a light. It's not something that you still need to become. Okay? You just need to walk in your identity. But the thing is, you can lose your saltiness, and you can hide your light. And that's what we want to unhide tonight, or try and unhide tonight. If you think of an oil lamp, there's two things that make it burn. So the first one is you need to turn up the wick so that it can burn. That's our surrender to God and our obedience to Him, like dying to ourselves. Just side note, if you die, what happens? Hopefully for us, we go to heaven. We see God in all of his glory. We encounter him. What happens if we die to ourselves on earth? There's different levels of the spirit that only gets unlocked when we die to ourselves that no amount of knowledge can do for us. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this oil. It's the presence of God. It's the Holy Spirit. It's spending time with him. And those things make it burn lighter. And the brighter the light, the greater the attraction. It's natural. So Jürgens and I, we, uh, we love church planting. That's why we're doing it. I'm an evangelist. I love reaching the lost, getting the people into a relationship with Jesus. But then he's the one that has the patience to journey with them and to get them healed and walk into their destiny. So there's a healthy tension. I'm also the person who wants to go too quickly, and he's the person that will stay in one place for eternity. So there's like a healthy tension between the two of us. So if people ask us, what do you do for a living? We say we preach the gospel. And if they ask, what do you do for fun? We say we preach the gospel somewhere else. Because yeah. <laughs> we love nations, we love traveling. And um, 
uh, our friends, we met at a prayer meeting, at an intercession meeting, and uh, our friends used to joke and say, yeah, you guys just went to prayer because you were waiting for the time when the leader is going to say, take hands and pray. <laughs> so jokes aside, we love the presence of God. And here's the thing, you become like the person that you spend time with because your interests begin to cross-pollinate, right? So when we spend time with the Lord in intimacy, not in knowledge, and religious works, however, the knowledge is good, the scripture is good, it gets us to encounter the person. But if we never get to the encounter, then it's quite empty. But when we connect with him in intimacy, what is on his heart begins to pollinate our hearts. It begins to impart into our hearts. So marriage without time spent with someone can be functional. You're still married, you're still saved, but a marriage without spending time together is not wonderful. It's functional, but it's not wonderful. And that's where we can be in our relationship with Jesus, and that's not where we want to be at. So for my own testimony, I knew about Jesus, grew up in a Christian home, but I've never encountered the reality of God. So what happened is I went to university. I lost my faith, by the way, became an atheist. I decided, you know, people are telling me, if you just pray, things will get better. And I prayed, and things didn't get better. It was not just my perception. It really did get worse. Who was there at that? Who experienced that? So I felt like, you know, if God is real, then, then why are all these things happening? So... When I went to my first university, I thought, you know, I'm just going to give this, this Jesus thing one last try. So I was in a really bad relationship with a guy, and I dragged him to church with me, because none of my friends were going to church. And he's sitting next to me in the service, and the pastor receives a word of knowledge, and I didn't know what that was back then. But he said, there's a girl sitting here in a pink dress, and I was wearing a pink dress, and I looked around me, and there was no one else wearing a pink dress. And he said, I just feel like you shouldn't give your body to this guy, it's not worth it. And it was like the reality of God. That was my reaction. Like Greg's reaction, that was my reaction. It was, like, it was like the reality of God hit me in that moment. And for the first time, and it wasn't that I felt condemned, but I felt God's concern as a father for me. And I'm thinking this infinite God that's not even consisting of matter, something that I know, is interested in me. And I didn't even fully understand the gospel, but what I knew is I had to have more of that. I had to have more of that relationship. So I got such a big fright, I didn't go back to church for three months, but I knew that I've tasted and I was hungry for more. And here's the thing, in Psalms we read, you know, we need to taste and see that the Lord is good, right? Many times we go and we reach out to people and they don't really seem open to the gospel. And we think, oh, they're not open to the gospel, I'm gonna leave it. But Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. So I'm missing something. But maybe they're not interested because I'm expecting them to crave for something that they've not tasted. And that's why we need to bear fruit, so that people can taste our fruit and taste and see that the Lord is good because it's his kindness that leads people into repentance. That's what scripture says. So my question to you is, when is the last time that you have tasted his goodness? Because it's a little bit like sugar. The more you eat it, the more you want it. The less you eat it, the less you want it. Sometimes we just need to sit down and eat for us to begin to get, become hungry for his presence again. Because what my mind is consumed with, that is what I'm going to overflow with. Because I can stand here in front of you and I can tell you, guys, you need to pray and go and reach out. I can be beating you with a stick, but the reality is, if there's not a heart transformation, it's going to be works, it's going to be temporary. And in four more weeks, you're gonna have to have another sermon on evangelism because no one is reaching out. There's not been a heart transformation. Because what overflows to others is not what you wish you had inside, it's what you actually have inside. Am I right? So what happens in our roots will be revealed in our fruit. A fake apple is something that I can stick on a tree and it looks great, but when someone comes to taste of that apple, they will pretty soon tell that it's not legit. 
And um, we can fake for only so long. We can fake our joy for only so long. But something that God wants, he doesn't want us to be false before him or others. He wants us to taste and see the reality of his goodness. And that's why I'm here. It's because I was able to taste the reality of his goodness. Because salvation is not just forgiveness of sins, which is amazing and very important, but it's healing and deliverance as well. It's something that manifests as well. Something that Jesus paid the price for as well. So may the lamb receive the reward of his suffering. It's not even my right, it's his. He's paid for it. Right? So I'm just reading um, Psalm 22, which is a prophecy of Jesus' crucifixion in the Passion Translation a week ago. And I was sitting in a coffee shop and crying behind my hand, waiting for someone to approach me to ask me if I'm okay. <laughs> what am I going to answer? Just Jesus wrecks me. <laughs> I'm, like, oh, I'm so sorry. But um, <clears throat> like just the way that it's written, that Jesus said every joint has been pulled apart, like he could count his bones. And I don't know, it's just, you know when you read scripture and then you read it and it sinks in again? That's what we need. That's what happens when we try to connect with the person of Jesus and we don't just try to tick the box when we spend time with him. And Jesus says in John 15, um, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. It's a promise. It's natural. It's a natural outflow. I can't help but bear fruit if I'm full of him and abiding in him. Apart from me, you can do nothing, right? Nothing. And then he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's a natural, natural outflow. The first person that I ever prayed for, and this is why I'm going to share the testimonies with you, is because I, uh, I didn't have much knowledge. And many times we feel like we can't reach people because I don't know all the verses. I'm not able to articulate the gospel that well. Not that it's not important, the packaging matters. Um, because if I give someone a box that says explosives, they're probably not going to want to take it from me. So I want to package it well, because the gift is valuable. But um, a part of that is uh, I had a friend, like I, apart from the fact that I encountered Jesus' reality and I wanted other people to encounter him too, I was just fascinated by miracles, like fascinated. So I used to watch a lot of videos on healing. And anyway, so when I heard something on healing, the, the guy said, um, We've got nothing to lose. Like, I'm not going to make it any sicker. So my friend has a, a problem with, she used to have a problem with her hand. Like, she couldn't feel anything in these two fingers and anything in these two fingers. She, she didn't have function. She only had function in this one finger, which is not the finger that she wants function in. But, um, <coughs> side note. But, um, so I heard that he said, I'm not going to pray you any sicker. So we've got nothing to do. So I go to her and I'm like, hey, Tola, can I pray for you? I'm not going to make you any sicker. <laughs> so I was just like parroting what he said. And then he said, um, and like, she got better after I prayed. She took off the brace. And I remember that he said, we can pray again because Jesus prayed, prayed twice for the blind eyes to open. I'm like, so we can pray again because Jesus. <laughs> I was just being humble, just having faith like a child. Because here's the thing, we grow as we go. I learned to play an instrument by playing the instrument. I am going to make mistakes. That is okay. My identity is in Jesus, not in my performance, right? So pray for her. She gets healed. That was amazing. So I started really getting into this thing of healing. And um, I started, I, I, I pulled over, a, a, I covered a book and said, yeah, Jesus, this is our book of healing. I want us to fill it before the end of the year. And the following day, I get on my bicycle on campus and I drive and I see a woman on crutches. And my first thought is, oh no, <laughs> you don't do that. Like when you see people on crutches, you run to like approach them, am I right? Not me, like, <laughs> I was scared. And I remember driving past her on my bicycle, and it felt, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Marke, I will keep my end of the bargain if you keep yours. 
So I stop the bicycle, pray for her, and she walks, and she, like, there's a crowd forming because she's like walking without crutches. She gives me her crutches, she doesn't want them back. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> like, take them back to the hospital. And I get called into the security guard's room, and I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. I go into the security guard's room, and she has a problem with her back. Um, with the nerves in her back, like she, she can't drive, she can hardly walk. Pray for her back, her back gets instantly healed, which was amazing. And um, I'm just like figuring this thing out. But what is funny is like I'm trusting God for healing in my back and my dad's back for the same thing that she got healed from. <laughs> but that's fine because our shortcomings and shortfalls doesn't disqualify us. Just because I'm not healed doesn't mean that I can't share the gospel with someone because I'm not operating in my strength, but I'm operating in his. So please don't let that stop you. Please, 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 please. You don't have to pray perfect. You don't have to pray long sentences. You don't have to know all the verses. Paul said, I didn't come to you with words of, words of eloquence. I preached to you Jesus Christ and him crucified with a power to, um, coming with that. So I just love that. Something that I just want to say is knowledge can be a dangerous substitute for intimacy. Not always. Knowledge is there to help us to get to know the person but it can be a dangerous substitute for intimacy because it can have so much knowledge but not bear a whole lot of fruit because I'm not abiding. Like you can read a lot of scripture without abiding. That's, you can, you really can. And I believe that's why many revivalists ended in failure. It's because they stopped letting the gospel transform themselves and they stopped, they, they lost their first love. And um, that's a danger for each of us and it might even be a reality for some of us sitting in this room. And the best thing that you can do is get reconnected with him. And being humble is, it, is what does that. So um, after the, in, in Pentecost, after the 3,000 got saved, like they got filled with Holy Spirit, Peter preached the gospel, 3,000 people got added to the church. So what happens after that, what we read is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So they didn't just go to the teaching every Sunday. It says that they were gathering together and they had everything in common, like they gathered together every day. How many would, of you would be happy if the church, like you had to come to church every day? Not great, but like we are the body of Christ, so church is where we are at. Build a community around you, have fellowship with people, break bread with people, pray with people. That's part of what they did every single day. And what followed, what I love, is, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I think many times we're missing out on that. Because we, it's not a daily thing, it's a I go to church on Sunday religion thing. And I know it's not you, but if it's you, like, there's more. There's more than just a tradition. There's something that, like Jeremiah, Jeremiah 20 verse 9, he says, if he cannot speak anymore the word that God has given him, it's like a fire shut up in his bones, and he cannot contain it any longer. It's like, it has to come out. It really, really has to. And then no one has to tell us to go and evangelize and do evangelism. It's not, yeah, it's very natural. And Jesus says in, um, I'm just going to leave that. I get so confused with it, Liko. Jesus said, by this they will know that you are my disciples, by that you love one another. Like, I can't just love myself. I need to actually love other people, love my fellow believers, spend time with them. So with Jerkins and I, we went to the Vol. And we went to join two pastors to do the church plant, and then they got called to Panama and immigrated there. So it's like, and I. So we have no community. We have to build a community from scratch. And I'm like, I'm a young mom, I have little children, I need to know people who have little children. So what I do is I start reaching out to people who have little children. So in the streets, when I'm walking, I go to one mom, hey, do you want to walk with me? And in that, I was able to share the gospel with her. But how can you do life with purpose? What is your desire? 
where do you need a community? Because that is the place where you can actually build a community and be something for someone else. We have friends of ours who raise their children in such a way that if the kids come home and say, nobody wants to play with me and be my friend, they say, hey, how about you ask Jesus who can be your friend, and then you go and make a friend and be a friend to someone else. Don't you love that principle? And Jesus does say, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And I do, I do understand that we need to actually love ourselves, but I also think that it, it can mean more than that in the sense of the same way that we love ourselves, and we become self-obsessed, really, with our own well-being, my own sleep, my own provision. What if I became so obsessed as I am with my own well-being the same, in the same way to my neighbor? Like, what would the world look like if the same level of self-obsession I actually have that for the well-being of the person living next to me? And I mean, like, physically, your neighbor next door to you. Do you know who your neighbor is? Do you know their name? Do you know their journey? Do you know their story? Do you know how you can love them well? Because love looks like something. In um, Ethiopia, there was a guy who was, it's, he, I think he did, he, did, he did medical care, and a Muslim guy who comes to him for the medical care, and he's very kind to this person. And the Muslim guy goes like, why are you so kind to me? So he's able to share the gospel with him, and the man gets saved. And he's thinking, you know, if I go to my family and tell them that I got saved, they're just going to kill me. So why did we just go to the village leaders and tell them? about Jesus. So they just cut to the chase, go straight to, straight to the village leaders. The village leaders get saved. The whole village gets saved. And you know where it started? An act of kindness. We would be surprised by how far an act of kindness can go. We have one guy in our One Connect group, like we're still reaching them. It's more like an engaged Connect group, like we need to get you into a relationship with Jesus than a you're passionate for Jesus, we're discipling you to reach people. So we're still in that phase. And um, on his birthday, I just asked the Lord, like, Lord, how, ca- how would you want to love this person today? And he shows me pizza. So instead of cake, I bring him pizza. And there was another cake. He didn't eat any cake. He just ate pizza. And he asked me, like, well, how did you know? And I'm like, Jesus loves you, brother. So it's simple, simple things that we can partner with the Lord with in our prayer time with him to reach people effectively and touch their hearts where it really matters. And it is possible. So um, just one testimony is uh, one of our, we have another connect group with moms and, babe and children. So the one is two years old and um, two weeks ago she shares with us that the, the boy doesn't want to go down the hallway. Like he's terrified of the hallway. He says that there's an owl in the hallway. So there is like on the Cornish something that looks like an owl. But when he stands in the, in the door of the hallway, he points straight like on his level. So anyway... These moms have never prayed in front of someone else, so it was the first day that I got them comfortable enough to actually pray in front of other people, so that was wonderful. So we pray for the boy, and who's not there, and I asked them, do you want to come to the hallway? Like, we're going to anoint the hallway and pray for the hallway. If you want to know about anointing, speak to your pastor. You don't need it. Our faith is not in the oil. It's in Jesus and him being raised. But anyway, so they say, yes, they want to come to the hallway, so we anoint the hallway, pray for the hallway. If anything, there is manifesting that shouldn't be, that it leaves. And these moms that were so shy started agreeing in prayer, like, amen, yes, like you just see mommy lion coming out. And the following week, the mom shares with us, the boy has been running up and down the hallway, playing in the hallway, in the dark, like completely free. And what I love about that testimony is not only the freedom, but also the fact that it's not just my testimony, it's their testimony. They prayed for that boy, so their faith gets stirred. So the next time they encounter someone, they have the faith to pray for that person to actually do it. So you see how we start building this through praying, praying with people, praying for people, 
praying with my brothers in church, praying with my people outside of church, you'd be surprised at how much people appreciate prayer. Very surprised, because there's something that happens in prayer. It's like you connect to the supernatural. Prayer isn't like, I just pray for the sun to rise. It's a natural thing that God has set in motion. Yes, you can argue that it's a miracle within itself, and I agree, it's wonderful. But there's things that not, that's not natural, that's supernatural. And prayer is the thing that taps into that. So the kingdom can manifest on earth. Because we are in this world, but we are not from this world anymore. And we need to grow in a revelation of that. So when I spend time with God, I understand that more because it's like looking in a mirror and I see who I actually am. <coughs> so um, one verse that I just want to read to you. We were singing that song about holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And in Isaiah, I love how uh, in Revelation 4 verse 8, we read about the seraphim. It says he, God's throne is surrounded by seraphim with six wings, and with two it covered their feet, with two their faces, with two they flew. And they cried out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it wasn't like, a, okay, we're going to sing the chorus a thousand times, and then we'll take it from the top. Like, that's not the way that they did it. Every time that they looked and be, be, like they looked at God, they saw something new. And what was unlocked in them is a natural response that just cries out, holy, holy, holy are you. And that's what happens in us when we, when we behold him and we see something new of him. I mean, I'm, I'm pursuing him as a person and not just the religion or the, the fact that it's, it's not just transactional. You get what I'm saying. I go in to see Jesus and to meet with him. And then there's something that gets unlocked in me that, that is supernatural. So something that happened with Isaiah is he's, he sees God in this vision. He says, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. I live among people with unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord God Almighty. So he looks at God, this holy God, and he looks around him and he says, Well, this is where I'm at. Have you had that before? Just that humility of like, I, I saw some of the, you guys just on your faces. I mean, you see God and you're just like, Oh my goodness. Here am I, and there is you. It's amazing. And he sees this, and he says, well, look at the situation around me. That's like where it started. And then he goes on, and one of the seraphim comes, and with it, he touched his mouth with a warm call. He took it with songs and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. So when we see Jesus and we respond to say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you when we get saved, he cleans us from that. So that's a similar experience that Isaiah had. And the next thing that happens is he said, then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send? Who will go for me? And that right now is God calling, saying, who will go for me? Because like you've been cleaned, your lips have been cleansed, but who will go for me? His eyes are roaming to and fro, looking for those whose eyes and hearts are turned towards him. And Isaiah says, I said, here am I, Lord, send me. So he volunteers, and then God says, go. Tell the people. And I think many times we are waiting for God to tell us to go. And it starts with us saying, seeing what's on his heart and saying, send me. The going commission of God is in response to me saying, yes, you Lord, here am I, send me. It's me turning up the week saying, I surrender my life to you. I am yours. I see what is on your heart. How can I make your dreams come true? Because a relationship is a two-way street. That is what relationship is. That is what we're called into, not into another worldview. Something amazing that Nao said is, we called, if, if we just, oh, that was profound, he said, if we just celebrate the wedding but not the marriage, we would be a cruel people. So we don't just celebrate the salvation, the fact that, yay, I'm saved, ticket to heaven. 
We celebrate the marriage, like the marriage that follows has to be healthy, because that is where most of it happens. One more verse that I just want to, okay, well, let's just read this one. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom, whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? People will not hear if we will not go. There's a story that I shared a while back that I heard that um, the guy was living a very good life. And he was doing that for seven years. And eventually one of his co-workers come to him and she's like, wow, you're such a good like, person. Like Something is just different about you. And he gets excited because he's like, now I'm going to get to share the gospel with her finally, after seven years, and she goes, you're a vegetarian, aren't you? <laughs> Guys, people are not going to know if we don't share. We need to articulate the gospel. Jesus said, go and proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and then you do that with power. So one more verse that I wanted to go through. Oh, you know, this is not working. Anyway. In um, working for me, your equipment is working. I think I'm just broken in this area. Um, in Mark chapter 4, we read about the sower that went out to sow. So I think some of you might have heard this. So the sower sows, and some of the seeds fell among rocky ground, and the birds come and pick it up. Some of the seeds fell in shallow soil, so it springs up quickly, but because there's no depth of soil, the sun comes and scorches it. Thank you so much. You guys are amazing. And um, then some of the seed fell among thorns, and it came up with the thorns, and the thorns choked it. But some of the seed, and Jesus likens this to the kingdom of heaven, some of the seed fell on good soil, and it yielded fruit, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some even 100-fold. So what I find interesting about it, again, don't close up because you've already heard the scripture. What I find interesting about the scripture is that the evidence of whether the seed fell on good soil lies in the multiplication. So not as a condemning thing, but in, in terms of self-assessment. If I'm not multiplying, I need to ask myself whether the seed has truly taken root in my heart. And it doesn't mean that you have to, like, yes, I want to challenge you, go and heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. I felt like, you know, I'm only, um, I was so convicted a while ago, I'm only fulfilling half of the commission. Like, I've healed the sick and I've... Um, cast out demons before, but I've never cleansed the leper and I've never raised the dead. Funny thing, that same weekend to one of the community that we're building kids' birthday party comes the owners of Avbop. <laughs> so now I'm discipling the owner of Avbop and waiting for the moment where the relationship bridge is strong enough so I can ask her, like, hey, can I come and try and raise your dead? <laughs> because Jesus said so. This was not a suggestion, it was a command. And if I say he's my Lord, If I love him, I will obey him. So I am challenged by that. So if anyone passes, like, not as a joke, I don't take it lightly, but I think that there is a part of the Great Commission that we are missing out on, at least half. And um, it's not a guy, because there's more. So has the seed taken root in your heart? And it doesn't mean that you have to go and raise the dead. I'm not saying if you're not going to Afbop every weekend that you're not saved. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. But what I am going to ask you is, if you are called to be a teacher, and that's your field of ministry, are you actually ministering there? If you're called to be a medical worker, and that's your field of ministry, are you ministering there? However it looks. But is the fire in you burning and igniting the world around you? Or is your light burning low? Because if your light is burning low, there's a way to turn up the wick. We just need to do it.
but no one is going to do it for us. And I'm constantly challenged by it. But, yeah, for the joy set before us, I will go through the humiliation of maybe not seeing the first 30 people raised. But it's okay, it happens. And I'm not speaking about fake dead raisings people, I'm speaking about real people actually standing up from the dead. And you know what, just side note, fasting helps a lot because I die to myself, I'm able to tell my body no. Interesting thing, I've, I've not even prepared this, but when Jesus went up to the Mount of Transfiguration, the, a man brought his child to them that was demon-possessed, to the disciples, the remaining disciples. And that was after Jesus gave them the authority, where he said, go and heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cut star demons. So after he said, receive my spirit. So they could do it, right? And he comes to them, they pray for him, he doesn't get free. Jesus comes back, and the guy asks, well, it says, well, I brought him to your disciples, they were not able to heal him or send him free. Um, and Jesus goes, you unbelieving nation or people, what am I going to do with you? So he goes and casts out the demon and the boy is entirely healed, which is wonderful. So question, was it God's will for the boy to be free? Yes, because Jesus did it. Could the disciples make him free? Could they? Yes, they had the authority to do it. Jesus isn't like bipolar. He doesn't tell us, do this, and then turns around and says something else. He keeps his word. His word is never changing. It always remains the same. And then... Could the boy get healed or delivered? Yes, because Jesus did it. And then the disciples come to Jesus and ask him, why could we not do it? And he says, because of your little faith, and we don't like to hear that, but I can tell you are a people who's really hungry for God and his glory, and that's why I'm sharing this with you. And the second thing that he says, this kind only goes by fasting and prayer. Verse 21. And what I like about that is Jesus didn't say, okay, you wait here, I'm going to go fast for a week, and then I'm going to come back. He was already prayed up and fasted up. He knew what it was like to abide in the Father. And in, um, in the verse 17 of John, Jesus actually says, what a big part of his prayer is he's praying for his disciples. And a big part of that prayer, he also says, like, God, I pray for the unity. I pray that they would be one as you and I are one and that they would be in us and that we would be in them. And he just speaks and prays and intercedes, basically, for us to abide. Because he knows when we abide, the world gets changed because the fruit becomes natural. And fasting helps to release that. We just don't like to do it because it's uncomfortable. With Moses, um, he, he went up to the mountain. What did the people do? Moses, you go. We'll wait here. And they wait for a second-hand message. But second-hand oil doesn't work that well. We need to get with Jesus ourselves. Intimacy happens behind closed doors. We need to get to a place where it's just God and I, and I'm not just feeding off someone else's intimacy, because that is where we will truly transform form the world and reach the nations and change the nations, and we can. Why? Because Jesus said so. And if it's not happening, it's not his fault, because he's perfect in all of his ways. In Song of Solomon, in the Passion Translation, she says, you are perfect from every viewpoint. Like, no matter what way I turn him, he's perfect from every viewpoint. I can never fault him. And um, I just love that, and I'm challenged by that because life happens. But same with my back, I can't allow my level of experience to dictate what the Word of God says. I need to see, okay, this is what Jesus looked like. I'm called to imitate Christ. What can I do to renew my mind and not be conformed to this pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind so that my experience can start lining up with the Word of God? 
Do we always get it right? No. Does everyone get healed? No. Does everyone get saved? No. Just because someone doesn't get saved doesn't mean the gospel didn't work. Doesn't mean that Jesus didn't die on the cross. If my boy is walking and he falls, my one-year-old, he doesn't go like, oh, this walking thing doesn't work. He gets back up and he tries again and he tries again and he tries again. He's tenacious. And then he starts to walk quite well. And that's possible for us, but I think we give up too soon. And there's an invitation tonight for you to enter into more in your relationship with God. So if everyone could just stand up and we can get some music in the background, I would really appreciate that. I feel like there are some of you in here that need to answer the call. Like, you've been saved. You're like Isaiah, and you know that you've been saved. You've seen God. You've said, like, my lips are unclean. You see the situation in the world around you. You have been touched with the coal. Your lips have been made clean. You are saved. You have committed to Jesus. And you know what is on God's heart. But something that you now need to do is you have not said, Lord, here am I, send me. You've not volunteered for yourself. And I really feel like some of you, you've been feeling a, a drawing into certain places that God is calling you into. And like each one of us is called for something. Like not everyone is called to be evangelist, but everyone is called to be evangelist to somebody else. Because I want my brothers and my sisters to go with me to heaven. If I'm, I'm a mother and if I have 10 children, I want all of them with me. I care about those that are lost. I care about the ones that I have with me, but I do care about the ones that I'm missing. And if I care about God, I will care about it as well. So if that's you, and you are in a place where you know that God has been drawing you, and you know that your oil is low, your wick is low, you need to turn up the wick. You need to say, surrender more of yourself and die to yourself. This is your moment where you can just say, hey Lord, here am I, send me. So even as you're just playing, just start crying out to God. Really, just pray prayers of surrender. Majority of my time in the secret place looks really miserable. It's just like, Jesus, here am I. Here am I, here am I. You are Lord, I want to follow you. I feel like even now he's releasing specific ideas. Whether it's food packages to people who are hungry, widows, orphans. It's so broad, the need is so broad. Holy Spirit, thank you that you just release specific places for people to where it is that you are calling them into. Now what you do is you say yes and you keep saying yes. And we don't run and go and do it by ourselves, we do it with him. We keep asking him how. We keep asking him when. We keep asking, what does love look like in this situation? It's a hard posture. And one more thing is, I felt like God really just wants to bring freedom to some of you. Like, it's not just... um, forgiveness of sins, it's healing and deliverance. And I did have a person coming up to me a while back and she said, Marke, there's something in me that needs to come out. So if you're in here and you know there's something in you that needs to come out, please come speak to us afterwards. I feel especially here to the left. So please come.
please don't be shy. I'm not going to expose anything now. But you're our brother and we want you free. So Jesus, we thank you just for freedom. Freedom from performance. Freedom from weight of performance. I thank you just for abiding. Thank you for freedom from anxieties in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And even if something is coming to mind in terms of oppression, we've been partnering with the lies of the enemy. Just ask right now. I feel like it just wants to release truth. Just ask him, Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of truth. What lies am I believing that is putting me into bondage that I can't move in your kingdom? And take a moment to listen. And Jesus says that he's always with us. He will never leave us, never forsake us. So I want you to literally visualize Jesus standing in front of you and just under your breath, verbalize the lies that came to mind. Bring it into the light. We don't box around in the darkness, we switch on the light. Now you can ask him, Jesus, what is the truth? What do you say about me? Also just feel confusion leaving in Jesus' name. (laughs) Confusion leave in Jesus' name. Clarity come. If you feel something funny going on, don't be freaked out by it. Just say thank you, Jesus, for your freedom. And invite him, say, fill me up. Fill me up, all of you, for all of me, wholehearted commitments. Thank you, Jesus. I just pray for every single person in this room. Thank you for intimacy. I thank you, Lord, for ongoing intimacy. I thank you for ongoing deepening in relationship and intimacy with you. Thank you that you are the one that transforms us from the inside out in ways that we can never transform ourselves. Thank you that when we enter into the secret place and sit with you, that you do in us what only you can do, whether we perceive it or not. Thank you that it's not our job to strive for some revelation. It's not our job to strive for some sort of encounter. I feel like some of you have really been working hard. <laughs> just surrender, just enjoy him. It's the bridegroom's job to lead, not the bride's. Just go in and be with him and he will do what he can do. Just position yourself. Don't feel disappointed when you walk out and you didn't have goosebumps. He does things that we can't see so that the world may see what he has done. Thank you, Jesus, for fruit. Thank you for fruitful people that will transform their city, that's already transforming their city. We thank you for a new thing and a level up in Jesus' name. Amen.